Whoa. And there we are. We're live again. Another episode of Pizza Punk. Welcome to Pizza Punk. My name is Jeff. Pizza Jeff. Screaming Jeff. Whatever. Uh, I'm your host. Uh, and I, with me today, we have our first international episode. This is really cool. Um, joining us all the way from across the pond is the one and only Dead Gein of the Blood. Hello. Space. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Dude, what's it been? Like eight years? <laughs> yeah. Uh, something like this. Yeah, it must be. It uh, was the Blitzkid Farewell Europe tour in 2012, yeah. right? When we met. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, I feel like tour is like summer camp. Like, you know, you spend a lot of time together and then you maybe you don't see someone for a very long time, but it's still like, you know, oh, we did that thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, there's, there's a special connection. If you have been on tour together, there's like a family thing going on. And still, it yes. will stay like this. Yeah. And what's interesting, so for those who are, may not be uh, or, or who are not well-versed in the horror rock scene, especially in Europe, blood-sucking zombies from outer space are uh, definitely a pillar. In, in my opinion, I'm saying, I think are a, 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 a pillar of this scene. I was not familiar with them until I toured with uh, Blitzkid and uh, uh, would watch their set. We, we toured for about a week on something called the Hell Knights Tour, which is a, so I guess in, um, really in Germany, but by extension, other countries in Europe, horror punk is huge. It's a huge thing. And uh, it's probably the, where the, the heart of all the horror punk stuff comes from, really, or lies in, in many ways. And so there's this tour called the Hell Knights Tour, uh, established, I think, originally backed by Fiend Force Records and uh, the, this band, The Other, you got uh, 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 Thorsten, uh, Rod Usher, and uh, he puts this, this tour package together and the week leading up to Halloween, all the horror punk, these horror punk bands tour around and we were, it was, it was Blitzkid with Blood Sucking Zombies from Outer Space, The Other, and of course, The Fright. And mm-hmm. um, those guys kicked ass too. And um, it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun, man. It was my first and only time on a tour bus. That was a, a wonderful experience. And um, you know what was really interesting? You guys are a bunch of freaking sweethearts who made me feel so comfortable and so like like welcome and included. And I just had such a great time hanging with you guys. Truly, that oh, was, that was thank fun. you very much. But, yeah, I can say the same thing about you. I mean, we had such a good time together. It was awesome. The whole yeah, thing. Man. It was a little bit emotional because it was the farewell to Blitzkid. Thank right. God they're back together now, or at least they're, they're mm-hmm. playing shows and want to tour again. Congratulations. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but it was great. It was really great. I mean, we have been a couple of times on this Hell Nights tours, but I think the, that one was my favorite. Hmm. Because wow. of you, of course. <laughs> I just remember we were just hanging out in some pub somewhere and we were all just like hanging out and you guys in particular blood sucking zombies from outer space you guys feel like a family that's how we I are feel. yeah we like, are literally we are. Too, right yeah yeah I mean yeah. Mr. Chimmy Evilize is my brother so it's already kind of a family right. member in the band but the, the whole band I mean we're around now since almost 18 years so, so crazy. this is a family right? Well, yeah, we started in 2002. Unreal. 
Unreal. Mm. That's not easy. Nah, but it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. Hey, hey. And what's interesting, <laughs> what's cool, so, you know, in, in general, I think with horror music, and again, there's no, you know, Richie, there's no real format here. We'll just, we'll, we'll just go where the water takes us, you know? Um, sure. You know, what's interesting about horror music is it's kind of like the, the, the faces, the comedy and drama, and in, in the sense of this. You can go really, really serious with horror music mm. or you go really, really funny or lighthearted or campy or tongue in yeah. cheek. This is more well, well, this is more our thing. Precisely my point. So super, super seriously. I mean, I take the music very seriously, but I, I like to have fun, you know, and the whole I'm, I'm such a horror geek and I love horror movies, but I always I always want to have a laugh about it as well, you know. I, I I don't think it's possible anymore to scare people unless you kill yourself on stage for real or something. I mean, the news are more shocking than any horror movie nowadays. But Agreed. it's still it's still an awesome form of entertainment if you put on a show and it's like a I don't know, like a like a ghost house or something, like an amusement park when you have those yeah. ghost rides. This is how I feel with my stage show and the band. It should be entertaining. People can have a laugh with it and they can just yeah this is so for those who may um be your this may be your first uh exposure this is this is some footage i actually shot of the band on the hell nights tour um this was uh i don't remember where this was this is munich this is mm -hmm. munich and what's what's cool about the it's the, <laughs> this is the one where i fell off stage remember did you fall off that stage no, there was like a, a like a hole or something in the in the middle of the stage, and I stepped right into it in the first yeah. two songs. Or so, I think <laughs> I remember you know that. Cool? You know what's cool though? So the reason why I wanted to show this footage in particular is because I love the way you guys present the band, in the sense of what's what's interesting is you are in you're in a, a special category of musicians where not only not only are you the, not only are you like kind of like the frontman vocalist who's, you know, doing all the talking and singing and stuff, but you also play the drums and usually drums in, in many, many different genres of music are, you know, it's always in the back or it's always, you know, just not up front. And like, so like the romantics, and I'm trying to think of a few other cases where that's where the drummer is the lead singer. I like the way that you guys are sort of, you know, a straight line. I'm very sorry, but I got to disappoint you on this one. Now I stopped playing drums three years, three years ago now, or two and a half years ago. Whoa. This is an outdated uh, lineup. Uh, uh, formation. Yeah, I mean, I love doing that. For me, it was when, when, when I started the band um, uh, from the beginning on, I wanted to be the singer. I wanted to be like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge Alice Cooper fan, and this is exactly what I wanted to do. A lot of theatrics, a lot of stage show and, and stuff. So I wanted to be the singer, but we could not find a drummer, and I was a drummer already before. So oh, interesting. I just thought, okay, then I will, I will play drums, but then I will do it stand up and in the front like a, like a front man. So this is how, how, how the whole idea came together. Also, like uh, in, the, in the rockabilly and psychobilly scene, it's quite common mm -hmm. to have stand-up drummers. 
like Stray Cat, mm-hmm. Slim Jim Phantom stuff. It was a big influence. So uh, I did that for 15 years, always wow. a little bit like I had to hold back in like theatrics and stage show and everything because there's not so much you can do. And of course, it is entertaining for people to watch a singing drummer. But if you have after like two or three songs, you have seen it. I can't move around much and can't connect with the audience really, right. you know, because I'm my I have to stay at the same spot at the same place all the time. Right. And also like. The breathing and everything sucked, of course, because you have oh, like yeah, you get gassed real easily, right? Yeah, exactly. It more sounded like the soundtrack of a porn movie, like me right. breathing heavily all the time <laughs> during uh, in between the songs. So anyway, uh, after fifteen years, we decided now it's time for a change. And also, our, our, our old uh, former bass player Herman, he left the band, so there was already something a drastic change for us somehow because wow. we lost one of our yeah, 15 year old band members from the beginning on. So I thought, okay, this is the right time to to change the whole thing. And then we got a drummer, and now I'm just doing doing the singing and being the front man. And we have a lot more stage show now and more theatrics. Oh my now. goodness, that's yeah. first of all that. First of all, I think that's awesome. And you know, I think you know, and, and part of you know doing the thing that you do is that in some way, shape, or form, it's it, you know it needs to evolve in some way, shape or form, or it can evolve, should evolve. And so that's how that happens. And I think that's pretty awesome that you get, so now you get to do the full Alice Cooper effect. Totally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm such an Alice Cooper geek. I love him so much. And like, since I'm a, since I'm a child, I started listening to Alice Cooper when I was seven years old. He's always my big hero. Always tried I to. Wish I knew to... more about Alice Cooper to talk Alice Cooper with you. I don't. I'm not well versed. <laughs> yes, I am. Got so many things. We know that we have we have been his support act a couple of times already. The the Austrian shows we have been support support act for him. Really? We, we opened the show. Yes, so I met him twice really? already. Twice. What is and that? It was, I just was I was I was paralyzed. I mean, I was so nervous. I I have never been more nervous in my entire life before that. It was crazy. So especially opening for him, like putting on a show right. and all of his crew and everyone was, they was great guys. It was really like, the, we had no, there was no boundaries for us. You can, we could do whatever we wanted to do on That's stage. Awesome. And now it was, it was fantastic. And then he was such a sweetheart. He, he took his time. He, he talked to us. He invited us into his backstage. He signed all my stuff. I showed him my, ah. tattoos cause I have, I have like, like huge Alice Cooper tribute tattoos on my arm. So, yeah, and he signed that one, and I got it. I got it. I got it tattooed right the next day. I mean, would it would it be complete if you didn't have a signature there? I mean, yeah, to... <laughs> dude, that's you know, vicariously again as someone who is. I, I don't. It's not that I don't like Alice Cooper. I'm just not. I just really ne- never uh, just a blind spot for me in the way that mm. many horror subcategories like you know. I only recently just got into Hammer. Only recently just got into certain like things that have just always been a blind spot. Alice Cooper has yeah. always been one of those blind spots, but I am so vicariously that makes me happy for you and excited Aww. that you had that experience. That's, that's, that's what, that's what, that's the best when you're a fan, that's the best, right? It was, I mean, for me, that was the highlight of the whole thing. The reason why I started a band or I started right. playing an instrument was because of Alice Cooper. And then, yeah. Wow. Wow. It, it could not get any better than this. 
Um, you know, and it's so what's the other thing that's very interesting about touring uh, in Europe versus touring America is there is you, you said the word support and it made me think about like how the support is so much different depending on the obviously like what level you're doing this touring, you know, musician, what kind of level you're at in, in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the hospitality in Europe is unreal compared to mm-hmm. what I've seen in America, at least if you're on like the club circuit, you know, on that level, it's, it's just, it's a whole different, uh, it was just a whole different atmosphere from, 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 you know, and what's interesting about Europe too, is that, you know, even though they're, they're different countries, it still feels like you're going from state to state to state to state when you're traveling across Europe. Cause you go to America and even though America is one big country, I mean, there's like, there's so many different cultures and mm. someone down in tennis, Tennessee is, could be a, another planet than say New York, you know? Mm. So I don't know. It's weird. I know it could be that way in Europe too, but. I, I think it is like this also in Europe, but um, I mean, we, on this tour, it was like in a small circle. We, we basically played just Germany. And of course, every place there is kind of alike. But if you go to, I don't know, um, Hungary or Czech Republic or so, you still, of course, you can feel a difference. Maybe not as big as in the US, but um, I can't say much about touring in the US because I've never been there. This is this is one of the one of the things that's still on my list that we play some shows. In your country, Listen, that would be great. You come, you come to New York. I will be there, and I will bring my friends. We will be there for that. Yeah, we, we have been a couple of times. We've been so close to get a yeah. tour booked, and we already have been talking and have serious conversations about touring. And then yeah. always something happened. You know, like oh. last the, the, the last moment is like, nah, we we have to postpone this. We have to postpone it. Now it's like. Well, we'll see with the whole Corona situation and everything. It will take some time till it's possible. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's just a, bu- that is just like, it's just put in a, you know, it's just put in a tire iron in everybody's plans of like, you know, uh, just trying the entire entertainment industry, uh, especially live entertainment industry is just like yeah. frozen, frozen in, yeah. in bated breath. Yeah. For what's going to come. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I mean, it, it sucks, like, it, it sucks gold balls. Because we had, like, yeah. for this year, we had we had big plans. We we, we should have been in summer for a three-weeks tour uh, supporting Mushroom Head. Wow. Yeah, like a tour through Europe, three mm-hmm. weeks, Nightliner tour supporting Mushroom Head. So Corona killed it, nothing. And we was nominated for the third time for the Austrian Music Award. Like the Austrian Grammys, oh, wow. so for the, heavy, the for the for the something heavy award, right? Yeah, the hard and heavy kit category. And heavy. Yeah, yes. so we yeah also got canceled. And we had our Halloween show it was already like the the pre sale was running was going really well, so you it would have been a sold out. Show. We did. I'm sorry, did you do any live stream stuff? Now we pro- we broadcasted one show, one older show during the quarantine, and we're thinking about doing this again now. But now we did not do any live stream show so far. Now we 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 focused on recording a new album instead. Wonderful, For, that's wonderful. Yeah, 
Because I think, uh, I don't know, for me, the, the whole thing was a live stream performing our, sh our show in a, like a studio at a rehearsal room. Is, it's not really the same. So. Oh, no. It's, it'll, of course, it'll never be the same. But And also, I feel like unless you have a very wide, you know, I mean, you guys got a lot of songs. But like if you don't have a lot of songs, I mean, how many times are you going to do the live stream thing? You know, like mm. I, it's going to be the same set over and over and over again. Like, you know, exactly. Yeah. There's got to be something new, something different to make it, yeah. you know, work in that sort of way. Um, yeah. Going back, you were talking about never coming to America. Another band who has never come to America. And it baffles me. It baffles me. You guys have not been yet. It baffles me that um, I don't know if you're familiar with Zombina and the Skeletons, how they have never yeah. been to America either. Like, OK, that, wow. That's a, that's a package they, right there. Are they still around? I haven't heard from them. For um, you know, I don't know. You know, they, they record stuff and they put it out like just as like fun little, you know, like things. I don't think mm -hmm. they are an actively working band. They were supposed to come over to the U.S. just like you. That's what I was thinking of when you were saying that story. Yeah. Same exact situation. And they just it, it, they were supposed to play a festival over here. Uh, everything fell through. They were not able to get a, get over, and they were going to use that, I guess, as a springboard to do more touring because the you know it's that's part of the part of the problem is like I mean <laughs> those transatlantic tickets are like nuts. Yeah, exactly. Costs a lot of money. Then also you need to get like uh, working permits and stuff. Working permits, you know, insurance. Yeah. I mean, it just exactly. on and on and on. You know. Yeah, so it's not it's like, not so easy to do. I mean, no. if you're a small, if you're a big band, then it's it works. But if you're a small band and doing the whole underground thing, what we are doing, yeah, it's a little bit more tricky. So let me ask you this: so now that you're a front man, like full full on front man, yeah. um, do you when when you're and it sounds like if you're doing an Alice Cooper sort of thing, the, the, what I do know of Alice Cooper is that obviously Alice Cooper had a bunch of, you know, uh, he, he yeah he has a bunch of live live stage gags. How does that work for you guys? Is there any level of spontaneity in the sense of, is there any, anything that's unscripted yes. um, on stage? Like, do you leave room for that? Yes. 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 We're still a punk rock band. So we have, we have some songs with like uh, theatrics and stage acts, mm -hmm. but, but we have also a bunch of songs that are just like spontaneous. Also like my, my talking between the songs is always spontaneous. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah, now a few songs are like scripted because yeah, when the, the stage show should work with the song. So we, we normally we include the, the show in the middle of the song or something or in a, in a special part of the song. So there's not much space for spontaneous. Uh, spontaneous. What is the word? Sorry. Spontaneous. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, nah. It's also like, of course, we are we we trying to get a show kind of like Alice Cooper. We also don't want to rip him off, so we're not doing the same right, stuff. Right, we right, have right. our own we have our own stuff. It is a little bit more tongue in cheek than than Alice Cooper's show, I would say. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of the stuff is very funny, actually. And I but don't you know get that from you got that from your songs, man. I mean, yeah. You know, again, upon re revisiting. Um, decade of decay the one thing that i noticed right off the bat i couldn't and i guess maybe i'm listening with different ears than i was when i first uh picked that up it's um man the 
the uh, I don't know what you want to call it. I don't. It's the, the production is really something on that record, truly. And you guys sound so. I mean, I guess it's different in the studio, but I can, I can you know testify to that because I've seen you guys live. You know, whatever five or six times. Um, that live show, you guys are tight, tight like a tiger. Thank you. you know. Thank you. Um, even goofing off. Even there's one part where um what's his face is uh, playing guitar. He's got a list in his hand and he's kind of goofing around, but when it's time for him to kick in with his part, he's right there where he's supposed to be. And mm. it just sounds like no one's ever missing a trip, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, we, we take it serious. We, we rehearse a lot. And yeah, I mean, for me, it's important uh, that we, we sound the best that we can. I mean, pe people pay entrance. Do you want to see a good band? Yeah. Uh, millions of bands out there if you want to if you want to make an impact you should rather be good <laughs> yes all right let me ask you the th i'm going to ask you the thesis question of the show the reason why i started the show um that has really become the the caboose of the show but i'm trying to make more of a you know uh, uh effort to remember um to ask the question is pizza <laughs> Is it punk? And why Definitely. Is it punk? Definitely. Pizza is punk as fuck. Uh, pizza, I don't... <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, pizza is about is all about individuality, like when punk rock. So you can put on a pizza whatever you want to have. It's always going to be a tasty pizza. And like in punk rock with three chords and you have a band, or three chords and you have a song, you have like no tomato and cheese. You have a delicious meal. So pizza is punk rock, of course. That might be, I'm really not trying to blow smoke up your ass. I think that might be, we've only done, you're, you're probably, I think you're episode eight. That might be my favorite explanation yet. <laughs> three, I love that. Like you get three chords and you have three ingredients and you make, you know, you make your, your punk rock food with it, you know? <laughs> It totally works, man. It, it, it totally, totally works. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I would say so. I, How do you came up with that? Are you such a big pizza lover? I So the, the, the genesis of the show is I used to have a show called Rock and Roll Cooking with Sal B. Sal B was in a band called Sardonic. I don't know if you're familiar with him or the show or anything, but um, he's from Lodi, where the Misfits are from. And so he his, you know, he basically is like in the Misfits family and I had interviewed him. I'm making a Misfits documentary that I've been making for years and years and years. Even before I, I had uh, collaborated with Blitzkid, I was, it, that had started because I had interviewed Argyle Ghouls before it. So, cool. so Sal and I, Sal told me about his show. We started doing the show. The show found its natural ending, but what we would do is we would have Sal love to cook and he was also into rock. So I was like, let's, you know, Let's let's juxtapose the two together. And then when Sal and I parted ways, I was like, how can I keep the show? I, I need to do the show where I don't need a, a host. I'll be the host. And I need it to be around something that I don't know how to I don't know how to cook or I, I do know how to cook. But I I need something that I because initially I wanted this to be a live show. And the idea was that I would go to shows and bring the band a pizza. Awesome. Sit, mm -hmm. Right. We would sit. Mm -hmm. And so I would be pizza support. 
I would come to the show with a pizza because every band who doesn't want a pizza guy at the show, right? Oh my god, definitely, band, definitely, right? You come with yeah, a pizza, definitely. And then you 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 shoot the shit. You talk. You I I do an interview while we eat the pizza. That's what Pizza Punk was gonna be. Then COVID hit. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna do this live. I'll I'll start live, and if if COVID ever lifts up and freaking you guys ever come to New York, I'm going to ha- be there with some pizza <laughs> and we're going to do this in person instead. That's what awesome. We'll do. Um, awesome. I just I'm very had, sure that um, every band will love you if you come into the backstage room bringing a pizza. At least I would do because I know this you? is like, this is my favorite comfy food on a tour when you had like, a, maybe you had a bad night or something or, or you just worn out because you played like four shows in a row and you have not been sleeping or stuff like that. Getting a pizza, eating there in the hotel bed, and falling asleep. Perfect. So. It is perfect. And, you know, that was the thing I noticed. You, you mentioned how you, 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 your rebuttal to my initial remark about how, you know, you noticed the subtleties from going from European country to European country. That's not all to say that, obviously, everything is different. Of course it's different. It'd be, I mean, that's just what a blanket remark that is. But from an American perspective... Mm. experiencing Europe for the first time, there is like a, a European sensibility when you go from place to place. So yes, we were in the Czech Republic. We were in Slovakia. We were in Romania. And the one thing that you could always get that was like relatively a constant from varying degrees was something like pizza. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. you go from place to place and like pizza is like a familiar was like a familiar thing, you know? Um, and that, that's the other beautiful thing about pizza, like, you know, in, in that kind of way, like, um, yeah. so yeah, so that's, that's where the whole idea for pizza punk comes from. I had, um, St- uh, Pete Marshall, uh, Damien from Sam Hain just did an mm-hmm. episode, uh, awesome. that will premiere just so for anybody who knows, uh, uh whoever, whoever's into Sam Hain will appreciate that episode. We uh we talked a lot about Glenn Danzig. We talked a lot about Iggy Pop. It's a lot of fun. Um, another thing that that you guys introduced me to, you had at the beginning of your show, at least at that time. I don't know if it's changed. You tell me. You do um, three more days till Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> six more days till Halloween. Yeah. Silver Shamrock. Um, do we. We did that for the Halloween shows. Yeah, we still do that. When we have like Halloween shows, this is always the intro for the Halloween shows. Gotcha. That's why. Okay, so that stuck out of my mind. Now, mm. I to, to bring this into the horror territory, I am, I have, I am well-versed, as you know, because you and I, we went back and forth. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. What you do when you get another horror nut? But there are many staples of the horror genre, especially at that time in 2012, where I sort of was ignorant to or didn't have any interest. Like, I didn't have any interest in the endless Halloween sequels. I'd seen the first one, and I'd seen H2O, and I was like, eh, whatever. That's Halloween. I don't need, you know, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm interested in, like, Peter Jackson splatter trilogy or, like, you know what I mean? Um, but some years back, I finally sat down and I watched my favorite of all the Halloween movies, my single most favorite Halloween movie, Halloween three. 3. Yes, yeah. season of the witch. Which season is of the, the witch, best, best one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
And I suddenly heard that music and I went, oh, blood sucking zombies from outer space. <laughs> so then I knew it was such a fun thing to see. And I was like, this uh -huh. is by far, like, how could anybody ever hate that movie? Uh, that's tricky. I mean, the movie itself is, is fantastic, but I think it would have been more appreciated at the, at the time when it came out if they would have called it differently because people was expecting another Michael Myers movie and then he was not in the movie. So it doesn't matter how good or how bad the movie is, people were waiting for Michael Myers and he was not in it. So I think there was mainly a big confusion that caused, that made the movie um, in hindsight not as appreciated as it should have been. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, fun little piece of trivia. I don't know if you're familiar with this. So the reason why Halloween 3 season of The Witch is not about Michael Myers is because the idea was that the Halloween story with Michael Myers ends yeah. in Halloween yeah. 2. It was supposed to be an anthology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, John Carpenter wanted to make it like every year another Halloween movie with a completely different story. Yeah. Why they didn't go? See, I'm convinced we're living yeah, in the universe, man. They they hold, they blew the whole idea with Halloween two. Then they could not have did. You know, they should not have done Halloween two in that case. So it was a different story, not Michael Myers, because Halloween two is a direct sequel to Halloween. So of course, people right. expected that Halloween three will be continuing the story. But you know how, like in like The Simpsons or something, it's like Jaws nine or whatever. Or no, uh, Back to the Future, it's like Jaws twenty one or something. Yeah. And then you look and you're like, oh, that's so goofy. Twenty one Jaws movies. I feel like we live in the alternate universe where we got eleven Michael Myers movies, and in normal world, in the normal reality time stream, it is a Halloween anthology as it was supposed to be, and they just kept making. <laughs> <laughs> movies like in our yeah. universe i don't know it's so yeah. weird what a weird uh, notion you know uh, i mean again i like i enjoy listen i i enjoy it but it's like that franchise is so it's so confusing there's so many different threads yeah. now you know it's yeah true it's also not really working together very well like part right. six is completely a different storyline now. Than, Only than, one I haven't seen. Have. Okay. I, I like part six, but it gives it a very weird change to the whole subject, I would say. Well, I've heard. I've and heard then heard also like the, the two films of Rob Zombie are not really working so well for me, at least. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know. I mean, I'm a fanboy. I, I have them all. I watch them frequently. I have my favorites and I have my the ones that what, I'm what not watching favorite? again. Part three, <laughs> definitely. Oh, good. So, no, I love, of course, the classic part one. Is, is I think it's the best one. It's one of the best horror films in general. And then I love part three. I'm not a huge fan of four and five. I like part six because it's very gory, bloody. Ooh. And then I, I have to say I really enjoyed the last one that came out. Oh, like uh, two years ago, Halloween. a year ago. Yeah, exactly. I like that one too. Um, yeah. Listen, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't like, I don't, it's not my, slashers are not my thing personally. Um, mm. I, I totally understand and respect the Halloween fandom that's out there. And I'll tell you, I, I was given the privilege and the treat. My local, we have Alamo Draft House out here. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like a, 
cool cinema movie chain and uh they play they they still play a lot of stuff on 35 or they did before covid but they were doing these double features um i think it was last year it was two years ago they played in anticipation for halloween so they played halloween 78 and they played halloween h2o back to back on on uh, Mm -hmm. 35 and it was so cool to see Halloween finally on the big screen. I'd only seen it on VHS and been like, eh, whatever. But seeing it on the big screen, I understood the concept of the shape, the boogeyman. Mm. Um, You know, again, I think it works for me personally. It works best, maybe because I'm not scared by Michael Myers. He doesn't scare me at all. I just Mm. don't find him. I don't find, it just doesn't, uh, it just doesn't have that effect on me. But um, I, I just, I think it works great as a boogeyman story that one time. And I can understand. I finally understood when seeing it on the big screen, I understand why people keep going back to this year, year after year. Hmm. Yeah. That's nothing to add about it. <laughs> I, um, for know, me personally, I, mean, I like slasher films, but I'm also not scared of them. I'm not scared of right. like Jason Voorhees or, or Michael Myers. Or so I've never been, I always liked them. It was always like, kind of like, I don't What's know. Favorite my, Jason? My, my favorite what? Favorite Jason? Jason? Uh, of course, part six because of Alice Cooper's soundtrack. <laughs> Dude, I love part okay. six and part, part seven because seven okay. is, the, in my opinion, at, at this time, it was the goriest one. But right. I, basically, I like them all. I like, I like definitely Friday the 13th. I like more than, than Halloween, the sequels. Oh, okay. Because I, yeah, I, I don't know. There's like... Part four and five, uh, no, it yeah, it was still good. No, I liked them too. Young Corey Feldman. Yeah, awesome. I like the Jarvis. The Jarvis trilogy is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, my least favorite might be Jason X. Okay, that's my favorite. <laughs> really? Okay. I mean, I love the. I love that. Hey, hey, hey. I'm a non again non slasher non Friday fan. So therefore. Um, it doesn't, you know, I'm coming from this super unbiased. However, the not just part, not just Jason X, my new favorite part is actually part six. And I'll tell you why, because mm-hmm. I was doing, I watched them all for the first time this year too. I had seen Friday the 13th. I had seen Jason goes to hell. I had seen part eight and I had seen Jason X and I'd seen Freddy versus Jason. I'd okay. never seen any of the, the 80s sequels. So I'm watching those. I'm watching two. No, I'd seen 3D. So I'd seen two, four, five, six, and seven completely for the first time this year. And okay. uh, when watching six, I did something based on a friend's recommendation that blew my mind and made it my favorite watching experience. Um, something that I've done several times, and I highly recommend to you, um, I desaturated my TV. He said, watch part six in black and white. It's a universal horror film. And I was like, what? So I okay. TV and I'm dude, it's lit just like a, a, a universal film from the forties. And it feels like a modern universal horror film. And it's wow. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So the next time I you definitely got to do that. You have to do it. And tell me when you do, I'm curious if you to see if you agree with me. I will. You know? That sounds very interesting. <laughs> no, I you never thought about too? that. You know what I've noticed too? If you deset, if you, if you, if there's CGI that you simply cannot get around, like really bad oh, yeah. 
CGI. Yeah. Just turn black and white I, on your TV. Okay. Yeah, but I, I'm more upset about the whole thing with CGI that they did not made it by hand and proper effect. You know? no. <laughs> I don't like watching the film then in black and white either because I don't want them to make the movies like this. It's like that's something that... Nah, there's so many films that I, I, I simply can't watch because of bad CGI. Yeah, it's a problem. I mean, um, like The Mist. I watched mm-hmm. The Mist in the theater and I'm like, this is so good. Frank Darabont, 2007, The Mist. I'm like, this is so good. I'm loving every second of it. Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, the tentacle comes up mm-hmm. from underneath the door. And I go... Mm-hmm. That's your that's your monster. You have yeah. got to be effing kidding me. That's the yeah. monster. Yeah. And then when I got the Blu-ray, there's a feature where you can watch the movie in black and white, which is what he originally intended it to be. So I watched okay. it in black and white, and all of the CGI, all the monsters look real. They look cool now. Okay. Something black and white changes. The pers- the the it makes movies more dangerous in a weird kind of way, and the you know what else I want to try in black and white? I want to try the original Halloween, and I very much want to try The Exorcist in black and white. See what that does to me. In my opinion, The Exorcist is already scary as hell, even in color. <laughs> okay, this is a this is a confession. I had never seen The Exorcist all the way through until this year. Okay. And, and I, I thought it was good. No, I it was thought it was a friggin' masterpiece, but I wasn't scared by it because I'm 35-year-old man watching. I'm just I was just not it didn't um I th- from a story perspective, I yeah. thought it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. But but from a um from a scare from being scared, I was not scared. Yeah, but I gotta tell you, I mean I think most of the people who are so dedicated to those films, they saw them in a very early age. So I saw The Exorcist when I was eight. eight, I was Uh eight, and my confession here now, I was eight and I was an altar boy. Total Jesus freak. I was raised Catholic. So for me, the whole thing with with Satan and Jeebus and stuff was real. Uh, Did I say Jeebus? I can't say Jesus anymore. Since there was the Simpsons episode, it's always Jeebus for me now. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. You don't know that the Simpson episode and Homer is saying Chibas instead of Jesus? Yeah, no, I think I've I think I re- recall that, but I that's just interesting that you can only say it like Jeebus now instead of uh Yeah, it's uh, always like it's so stuck in my head I'm always saying Jeebus. Anyway, I, I'm over the whole Catholic and Alta Boy thing, but I used to right. be when I when I saw the Exorcist, the whole thing scared the shit out of me because it was like, Oh my god, this is like real. This can happen mm-hmm. to me. I, I can be possessed by satan and at this time i was not i did not like that idea i think that i think that what you i think you literally just nailed it on the head exactly that's exactly what it was seeing a lot of people you know who who had whatever relationship with their religion yeah that that's where it hit them it hit them in that part of their mind exactly exactly and it was a few scenes even even today, they're still like controversial. When she was like, oh, yeah. you know, the crucifix scene, for example. So when I, I was really shocked because there was like the, the whole blasphemy thing and the whole like violence and, and, and like a sexual contact. It was very disturbing for me as a child. 
seeing that. So for me, it was really the, the most scariest film I have seen. And I, I, I started watching horror films when I was six, seven years old. I was always fascinated by horror. I loved like Frankenstein and Dracula and, and monsters. But, and I, I saw a lot of stuff. Like I saw Poltergeist and I saw um, the Jaws films and I saw, I don't know, a lot of stuff. But I was never really scared. And then came The Exorcist and I was like, oh my God. So I, that was really like, I, I, I got, for the first time, I was really terrified by a film. Because it tied into it, because it tied into your belief structure at the time. Totally. It yeah. Into what you had been raised by, raised on and told that that's, that is what you just said is fascinating to think about how that works in that sort of way. And that's what's interesting about horror. Horror mm -hmm. is almost like, in a weird kind of way, it's almost, I know this is going to sound really stupid. Maybe you'll think this is stupid. Maybe you'll think this makes sense. It's almost like a form of therapy in the way of like working out or working through or confronting fears and anxieties or the things that scare you or the- Totally. You know, the stuff in your head, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. I can tell you something that lately hit me pretty hard. Yeah, um, that? Have you seen uh, the film called Relic? Oh, from 1997? No. No, 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 not that one. It's just, I, I know that's a creature in the museum, right? What you were yeah. talking about. Oh, no, no. It, it came oh. out, I think it's an Australian movie, and it came out last year. And it is, it is basically, a, um, I'm sorry? No, no, no. Keep going. I'm just checking to see. I want to okay. see what you're talking about. See if I. Uh, it's like um, uh, it's about an um, a woman and her daughter are visiting their grandmother, and she kind of she disappeared for three days and then she came back, and she she's already she's already suffering on 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 dementia, getting old, and mm -hmm. and uh, changing. And the whole the f whole film is about you, you don't know if she's possessed by a demon or if she's just changing because she she uh, he, she suffers on what is it called is it called dementia in English dementia. yeah yeah dementia exactly and I've been through a situation like this with my grandmother because mm. um, you know when when people get old and when they when they suffer on dementia their character changes they get like yeah. they get violent they get rude they yeah. get like and that film really hit me pretty hard because it was very real to me. And I could also see the way how, how the woman in the film changed. She got very thin. So it reminded me so much of my grandma and her last days too. It's like, this was like adult horror. Right. And there are not many films out there that can do things like this. And I'm very sure that for, for a young audience, that film will not be scary at all. But for me, it was terrifying. Because I just, I don't know, I, there were so many emotions that came up. As I, as I said, with The Exorcist, there's so much stuff going on that hits you right in the guts because you have been in the situation or you're like, it hits you in your beliefs and something that you're yeah. having your family and stuff. So Relic is one of the films that I really can recommend. I'll check it uh, out. But it's not, a, it's not a pleasant watch. <laughs> so, At least it was not for me. So for me... I so for my 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 kinder trauma, I talked about this with uh Joe from Mr. Monster and remember Joe from the Blitz Kid too. He was on the tour. Yeah. Um, sure. I talked about this with Joe, so I won't go deep. I'm not gonna go in deep about it, but basically my kinder trauma, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna think I'm stupid for saying I, this is the second time think, think, judging you for thinking that I might be stupid, but um 
Return of the Living Dead terrified <laughs> me uh, at really? the age of Oh, okay. God, because zombies were my biggest fear. I saw Night of the Living Dead. You can't kill a Return of the Living Dead zombie. Again, this is by logic. This is simple logic. And for me, my greatest fear is being eaten alive, consumed. <laughs> and so all of these things, and there's something about death and being like alive while you're rotting, just all that stuff that was, and here's the thing, at the same time, I was, I was absolutely, and that's what I love this idea of kinder trauma. I was terrified and fascinated all mm. at the same time, drawn like a moth to the light. And the flip side, what you were talking about, you said adult horror. So what's interesting is there's horror movies do not scare. I'm not scared by horror movies. They do not scare me in that sort of way at all. They really don't, except for Return of the Living Dead. Tarman will always be my big boogeyman. Oh, <laughs> but um, what terrifies me, what, what makes me turn off a movie, and I don't turn off movies, but what makes me like, like grip the table, grip my seat, two things. One, um, nuclear winter. Mm -hmm. Threads, the movie Threads, Miracle Mile, like these final hours, these films about a bomb dropping, something that I that is absolutely real, that I have absolutely no control over, terrifies me. I'm I'm terrified by these concepts, and um, that's the stuff that like makes me keeps me awake at night after watching a film, being like, I can't like, what if that actually happened? And the other okay. thing is um, harm to children because I become a father as an adult. Okay. And so I can't, and you know what, Richie, I'll tell you something. I put, give me any freaking, even the ones, you know, I don't, I stay away from the Guinea pig stuff. It's not my, I just, I can't, I, I just don't, there's, if there's no plot. I just can't, I'm just like, it's just too much for me, but even give me the Guinea pig stuff, save for a child getting hurt in a movie, even like a non horror movie. That's how mm -hmm. like, Squeamish I am towards children getting hurt in a non-comedic way. Like there are some, there are some horror comedies like Planet Terror. Kid shoots himself in the face. It's hilarious because it's like, it's just you know, it's so tongue in cheek. But like, they're like, for instance, have you seen this film? Have you seen uh, Megan is Missing? No. It's no, so. Not seen that one. Okay, the acting is so bad. It, the the it's so it's so contrived like you think oh this will never happen in real life and yet it's completely based on real life it's based on four cases and it's just you know what it is it's a it's a it's a a, a 14 year old girl who gets abducted on the internet and okay. there is two scenes in that that just and the thing is i'll never watch it again i watched it one time i only need to see it one time i'll never see it again i don't need to it won't have the same part of the effect is is the surprise i like the shock of not of, of seeing that image and going oh my god i was not expecting that mm -hmm. and that stuff is what and a serbian film no it's like I, I understand you when it comes to this i'm not a father and i'm not that sensitive when it comes to right children but like for a Serbian film, I had never the need to watch it. I, I know what, what's going to happen and why it's so notorious, but there are certain taboos that does not necessarily need to be broken. 
in my opinion. I mean, yeah, this is, I don't want to see that. And uh, yeah. it's also like when it comes to to to. I have mixed emotions about the whole torture porn and whatever genre. It's not that I dislike it completely, but there are certain parts that I say it's like, ah, I am I'm a horror film nerd and I love horror movies and I love stories. I'm not a pervert, you know. Gotcha. I don't need to see like a, I don't know, kind of almost like a porn film, but without without sex. It's to violence. And it's like, it can be fun sometimes. I, of course, I have the guinea pig films. It was, it was such a big thing to, to have. <laughs> it's like, it's not, there was a certain point of certain movies that it was not about to watch them. It was just to own them. So you need to have oh, them yeah. because they were forbidden and stuff like that. I watched them once. They did not, they didn't do much to me. I mean, it was perfect, special effects. It's like, if you're, if yeah. you're an effect nerd or geek, then they are right. cool to watch. But, I mean, what's the what's the point of watching that? Should that be you like a story? Should... I need a story. If there's no exactly. story, I'm fine with gore. You can do whatever yeah. you want in your movie, but if it has to have a story, if there's no story, then I'm just. It's like you said, I'm watching it for the sake of the thing, and that yeah. bothers me. That 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 makes me say, well, why are you watching this then? And that's exactly. Why I uh, but I will say this. The one guinea pig that I thought was good, that actually good, and kind of think they should remake, or I he never, it. he never dies. It's not he never dies. Uh, Mermaid in a manhole. I oh like yeah, that okay. one. that's yeah. a good one. That was, and it's yeah. not. That's not one of the more extreme ones. That's uh that's actually kind of light, considering. Uh... <laughs> I interviewed that guy, the guy who does the American ones, Stephen Bureau. Okay, nice guy. yeah, I have those. Nice I have to um, too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he kept he's he's making them. I gotta tell you, I listen and I said it to his face. I said, listen, I respect what you do. I think it's amazing, especially because you, you have to think that the amount of 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 work that goes into creating that stuff without CGI, making it look as real as possible, it's not an easy task. Mm. But I told him on the I told him on camera, I was like, I yeah, that's it's just not my bad. <laughs> I said it was not my bag. He understood. He got it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it kills me because I kind of do want to almost watch the the new version of a Serbian film. But at the same time, like, why? Like, I saw it once. Mm -hmm. I When I saw it, I didn't have children. I saw it in, when it came out in 2010. And I was mm -hmm. like, you never need to see this movie again, ever. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I just revisited Cannibal Holocaust for the first time in 15 years. And I was like. I have that um, the Grindhouse edition that the, they only made ten thousand. The, the not Blu-ray, it's a DVD, and uh, I was just kind of like, that that one has a story, you yeah. know, all the gore that happens in it. Yeah, it's exploitative, but there's a story to go with it. In a way, it's the yeah. first Blair Witch movie, you know. Yeah, definitely. No, I like Cannibal Holocaust. I like. I, I think there's a yeah. big difference between like. American guinea pig or, or, or cannibal oh, holocaust. Huge. This is a different. Huge this is a different genre. Mm -hmm. Too. I mean, the the whole thing with the with the old Italian cannibal films that will always be a little bit of a bummer is the whole animal torture that happens during those, yeah. like the the, the 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 animal snuff films. Stuff. But on the other hand, it was the seventies. So it was what people are always forgetting about is it was a different time, and animals were treated really badly. In, yeah. in on movie sets 
in, in the cannibal holocaust it is shown as like an ex exploitation thing but you don't know how many horses got killed in any western in, in every western movie you know when they fall and stuff wow. they don't fall by themselves they get shot in front of the camera or they had like wires so they will fall when they run so animals were were really treated badly in the 70s and, and earlier yeah. stuff on, on a movie set not just in those few cannibal films uh, yeah. people don't always forget about that it's like for at this time it was kind of normal sad but true it was kind of normal you know it's interesting first of all i never have thought about that that's that's a very interesting point and now i'm going to go down the rabbit hole and check it out but b I really respect this. So we got the Disney streaming Disney, you know, for the kids and whatnot. And they put this disclaimer at the beginning. You made me think of it as you were talking. And I think that's the way you need to approach any movie from any time where there may be problematic stuff like that. And you have, they, they put a disclaimer that says this movie is a product of this time. Mm. And they contain in it things that people do not agree with today. Yeah. But has been presented as is to not to not um, as a reminder of what things used to be like, and I mm. thought, I thought to myself, I said that I really respect Disney for that because I I don't like things to be cut out. I like things. I think everything mm. should be remain uncut. But we need to, as long as you have that disclaimer out there with the context. You should never cut anything out. It should always be there and should always be a reminder of what was and just yeah. simply this is what it, this was. This is a product of the times. You know, uh, it's still valid in the fact that it's a product of the times, even if it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, have some negative connotation. Mm. I don't know. So, but yeah, that's why I also like to stay, you know, when it comes to horror, I'll, you know, I'll go anywhere when it comes to horror, but I love, I love beyond love. I love like, you know, Peter Jackson, evil dead tongue in cheek, super fun, you know, mm. flatter, you know, just, I like the whole genre. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm never getting bored of horror films. Cause you have like so many different sub genres in it too. You can watch a horror comedy. You can watch a serious disturbing film that is definitely for adults. And it's like, make you feel uncomfortable watching it. Then you have the classic, more kind of fantasy horror films. Right. Like the 80s stuff. Like also the, like Freddy Krueger. And this is just like entertainment, you know? So you have some, right. and then you have the classic ones. Like a Vincent Price film will always, it's like soul food to me. It's like, it oh, makes me feel God. so yes. comfortable. Yes. Yes, it's dude. like perfect thing if you're like if you're a little bit depressed. I have like a, a Sunday blueser, so no one else can 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 pick me up than better than Vincent Price, Chris Lee, or Peter Cushing. You know, these are the people yeah. that I I need Christopher Lee on my TV right now to get out of that Sunday blues. Um, I recently so I do two things. One, uh, first of all, I yeah, I have an I have a, a, an a, a deep a deep, endless well of love for anything Vincent Price. And much like I'm on the quest to see every single Nicolas Cage film ever made, I'm currently <laughs> sitting at 43 out of 121 films. I want to see every single Vincent Price film ever made at least once. I, can wa I will watch a film solely because 
It has Vincent Price in it. And what I do is every year I do 31 days of Halloween starting on October 1st. I try to watch a minimum of 31 movies in 31 days. And uh, this year being unemployed, I watched 61 movies in 31 days and I completed the remainder. I was missing um, some Edgar Allan Poe, Roger Corman, Vincent Price films that I had not Mm -hmm. yet seen and revisited a few. I saw Vincent Price's first uh, starring role ever in 1946. It's called Shock, I think it is. It's on Mm. on Prime right now. Uh, Was Um, this his first one? Nah. No, no, not his first film. His first starring role. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I saw, I'd never seen House of Usher, so I watched that for the first time. Um, Is he in Premature Burial? I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, he's not. No, he's not. Mask of the Red Death is like, yeah, yeah. um, that's Mm. probably my favorite. Man, Mask of the Red Death is like just so good. Um, Mm. Comedy of Air of Terrors, Mm. Comedy of Terror Uh, is awesome. Yeah, I I love Tomb of Legia. Yeah, Tomb of Legia, man. Oh, I love that one. Oh, Pit in the Pendulum. Just, He's great. Pit yeah. In the um, so, yeah, I could just watch anything with Vincent Price. Did you know he was supposed to be the criminologist in Rocky Horror Picture Show? I did not know this. Until no, I did not know this either. Really? Okay. That would have been fitting. It would have been super fitting. Okay, so my favorite, uh, what's become a yearly, uh, a yearly um, watch for me. Uh, as you said, you know, talk about soul food, comfort food. This is my f- probably my fa- one of my favorite films of all time, and probably now you have computer voice again. I'm sorry. Okay, that's okay. Tell me when it has it stopped. Am I still computery? That nah. No, still computer, still robot. No, now you're back. No, you're okay. back. Yeah, you just got to wait it out. It's like a storm. Sorry, people, for whoever's watching this uh, when this airs, of course. Um, Okay, are you familiar with the Monster Club? Yeah, of course. Dude, that is for I me. I have it right here. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> and that soundtrack, dude, is so this to me is my all-time favorite, one of my all-time favorite films. The stories are okay. They're not that great. It's the Vincent Price, John Carradine wraparound, and all the bands. Mm. I love That's- it. I love everything about it. I think my favorite one is Seed of Blood. And oh, the Fibes. So good, dude. And the Fibes movies. I love the Fibes movies a lot. Oh, yeah. About the, you mean the original Saw? I'm sorry? You mean the original Saw? Before we had Saw. Oh, yeah. There was Dr. Fibes. Fibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was classy about it. He wasn't all... It wasn't yeah. all torture porn. It was just like Fives was a gentleman about how he killed. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for 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 that somehow the film genre will 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 want to have those icons back. You know, why aren't there any actors that like that like a Vincent Price character that he's Jeffrey doing Combs? films? Jeffrey Combs, yeah, he's cool. Bit. Yeah, I mean, of course, there are a few, Robert Eaglen and stuff. Of course, there are a, a, a couple, but you don't have that kind of the sir or that, the, you know, that super charming gentleman kind of 
like Vincent Price has been, or like Peter Cushing. There, yes, we we have been missing. We haven't had icons like that. Like basically, you know, you go, oh, you want to make a horror picture, uh, or you want the budget for a horror picture. Oh, uh, what what what's what's so great about your horror picture? I have two words for you, Vincent Price. Here's your money. Go make yeah. the film. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like those guys would just, you know, those guys would carry carry movies, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, you don't really, you do not get that today. What I always found interesting too is, um, are you a fan of uh, Ed Wood, the uh, yes. the, the Tim Burton film? Yes. Yes, I do. So and I think I Johnny Depp did great. I think he did a great job too. And what I didn't know is that Ed, that Tim Burton was kind of mirroring. Tim Burton is telling the story because he had, if you look at Edward Scissorhands, which was mm. Vincent Price's last film. Last movie, film, yeah. Right. And that is Ed Wood and Bella Lugosi mirrors Tim Burton and Vincent Price's relationship. Like the, the young plucky director Mm. Who, you know, worships the you know uh, tour de force, you know, iconic actor who's no longer in the, his prime. You know, yeah, that could be. But in that case, then Planet of the Apes was Tim Burton's Bride of the Monster. How, wait, well, how so? Okay, go ahead, Draw, uh, explain that. To me. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I I like Tim Burton, but I think he made a few films that was not so great, oh, oh, like oh, Planet of the Apes. Was, was really terrible. So, but if yeah, I mean, if you compare him to Ed Wood, <laughs> no, I'm. You know what the problem was? You said Bride of the Monster, and I I was thinking for a second of Bride of Frankenstein. Not I oh no 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 Ed Wood movie. The, the Ed Wood movie, yeah. Right, with the tentacles. The tentacles, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I agree with you. So here's my rule of thumb when it comes to Tim Burton. Ready? Mm. Tim Burton makes flawless masterpiece films if they only come from original thoughts in his head. So mm. Beetlejuice, masterpiece. Edward Scissorhands, masterpiece. Um, Ed Wood is not based on an idea, but doesn't come from... Here's the thing. If you give Tim Burton a franchise or you give him something, he'll drive it into the ground. Dark Shadows, freaking Planet of the Apes. Um, Batman 2 was great. Well, Batman, I do love Batman. Uh, yes, Batman Returns is my favorite of all the Batmans, actually. Yeah, so that one was a good friend. Yeah, the atmosphere is great. But then, you know, it's funny. Even when you give you give Batman to Tim Burton and Tim Burton doesn't give a shit about Batman, Tim Burton's like, okay, let's make a movie about the Penguin. Because the mm. Batman is all about the Penguin. And, and, and uh, Catwoman, to a lesser extent, and Batman is like third banana behind. Uh, it's not even Batman. It's Batman is the name of the movie. And the, 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 the tragedy, the arc, the whole arc is this monstrous Penguin played by Danny DeVito. So, mm. you know. Um, sure. But yeah, if you give anything that you give to Tim Burton that is a franchise, he will destroy. But if you let him do his own original idea, it's going to be cool and interesting. So. Uh, one of my favorite Tim Burton films is Sleepy Hollow. I love Sleepy Hollow. Dude, I love Sleepy Hollow. But then again, I once again, he was allowed to do what he wanted with source uh, material that is not like, it's that's not a franchise. You know, uh, he took 
based it on a story and then he told his own story on top of it much like ed wood and by the way do you know where i live right i'm in new york yeah do you know where i do you know what's five minutes away from me i'm, I'm right above new york city i live five minutes away from sleepy hollow really we had the cool. Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival here. I go to the Old Dutch Cemetery all the time. Every fall, I take my my son to the Old Dutch uh, Cemetery, where right where it all you know was written about. It didn't actually happen, but where it was written about, and um, it is a magical, magical place. Just a wonderful, magical. You f- everything that you feel when you think about Sleepy Hollow, you feel it when you're in that area. You just feel cool. the you know magic you know cool so cool yeah um, i hope one day i can visit dude i listen when marco from uh crimson ghost came and stayed with me i took him up to sleepy hollow we had a great we had a great he he really enjoyed it it was uh it was a lot of fun dude you you uh you you let me know you let me know i will Um, what else have you seen recently that you re- that really has had an impact on you? Um, I like The Lodge. Oh. It's the latest Hammer film. Is that Hammer? Yeah. The, the revived Hammer? Yeah. The new Hammer studio production. Like the, the, black, the woman in yeah. black and stuff. And the last one is The Lodge. The, direct, the directors yeah. are Austrian. So it's a duo. Good night, mommy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. I like that too. That, good, good night, mommy was fun. Bit one yeah. note, but it's fun. Very, very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Kind of so what else? Um, I loved Hereditary and I loved Midsummer. So the Ari Aster oh. movies. I like them a yeah. lot. Dude, I love Midsummer. I love both of them, but Midsummer to me was like yeah. just oh, perfect. It man. was the it was the Wicker Man of 2019 or so. Right, right. I don't I know why it. people were hating on, and some people were hating on it. I'm just like, I'm like, dude, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just doing. It's just he's just telling this really cool updated version of the story. It's like what, like you know, and he's not trying to use the name Wicker Man to do it. He's just doing it his yeah. own way. You know, like who exactly. Cares? No, Did I really liked it. What about the lighthouse? I'm sorry. The lighthouse is—I have not seen it. I just saw a couple of minutes. It was it's a black, the black and white film, right? Yes. Yeah, I have never finished it, to be honest. Um, I, somehow it, I did not get into it. I will restart again, but I did not get into it, so I stopped after like twenty minutes. You know or how so. you have to approach that one. You have to think of The Shining. For me, I was watching it and I thought, this is not because I was expecting like some Lovecraftian underwater horror. And if you go into that movie thinking you're going to get that, you're going to be so upset. You have to go into it thinking about something like The Shining. If you mm, go in with okay. The Shining, you know, it's like a, a, it, it, it works a lot better. I love his first film. Robert Eggery did The Witch, which is mm-hmm. like a modern masterpiece. Yeah, to me. I like The Witch too, yeah. Loved it, loved it. Oh, that's the same director. Okay, the guy who did The Witch made The Lighthouse as well. Okay, cool. I did not know that. And you know, his new movie, his new movie is um, about Vikings. It's a Viking revenge story. 
Okay. So, yeah. Like a bloody revenge story. It says it's supposed to be ultra violent. So I'm like, yes, this is going to be <laughs> like the brutality of Vikings. Like it's going to be very interesting. Uh, especially I watched, I don't know if you guys have it over there. We have on the history channel, we have a show called Vikings, which tells the, yeah. based on the sagas. It's a very good show. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. violent, but very good. And uh, just shows you a lot of uh, just very well done. In a way, I kind of like it more than like Game of Thrones, which mm-hmm. really shat the bed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Oh, another show. I don't know if you watch this. Have you seen Dark on Netflix? Nope. Nah. It's, I'm, not um, a huge, I'm not a huge series fan when it comes to like yeah. those shows because it's so time consuming. I love watching films. But if it right. takes like eight episodes to tell the story that can fit in one film, basically, I, I don't have the time for that sometimes. I don't want, because of course I'm getting hooked too, because all those series are really well done, but I don't want to get hooked so I don't even start. I watch like Ash versus Evil Dead and stuff that I watched, but like Vikings or I don't, I didn't even watch uh, Breaking Bad or something. I have never watched it. It's just oh, too time consuming. I like it when it's just one season or so, when it's just a few episodes, like True Detective. Then I watch it because I know, okay, this has an end. But if it's like season after season, it's like, no, 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 I'm out. I have so many movies that I want to watch. I don't have the time for that. What about, that's like my, you, the way you are with series is the way I am with video games. I, ref, I don't play video games because I'd rather be watching stuff. I just don't nah. do video games at all. I never, um, am I, I I grew up in that time where I, I should have been hooked on video games, but yeah. I didn't. I loved films. I loved like video stores. I spent my whole childhood in video stores, but we had a we had a, a like an old a computer, with the first kind of com- what was it called a Commodore. Yeah, it? Commodore. Commodore, exactly. And those yeah. first video games, but I never really got into it. Thank God. So yeah. this is. Something that I'm I'm not into, and uh, yeah, I I stay with music and movies. You know what I ordered? Actually, the last thing I ordered before I lost my job, uh, I had to do it. And and this is how much this movie means to me, and the series means to me. I had to do it. I just could not resist. I've been waiting in the wings. I've been waiting, waiting, waiting for the ultimate Dawn of the Dead box set that just is the be oh, yeah. all end all. And it yes. came, and it did not come from the U.S. It only came for Europe. And I said, mm-hmm. "That's it. I'm buying a region two. I'm buying a region free Blu-ray player, and I'm never dealing with this nonsense of region again. I'm buying yeah. that, and I bought it, and I can't wait for it to arrive. I'm so excited. It's that big fat box set, right, with the ten discs or so. Yeah, I was also very tempted in ordering it. I had. To do it. <laughs> I already I have the film it. three. I already have the film three times. So it's just... I have even more. No, I have it on VHS. I have it on DVD. Yeah. I have it on Blu-ray. I have the Argento cut. I have the Romero cut. So... Me too. <laughs> I, I don't know how, how, how. Remember the DVD box set that came out in two thousand four, the the black box edition. I don't know if you have that in uh, out there, but we got yeah, we got the Argento cut. We got the but the, the director's cut, the the extended cut, and we got the theatrical cut and Mm -hmm. i didn't never bought it on blu-ray because i was like this set is so good that i don't need own it on blu-ray and then now this set has finally i'm like this is the last time i will ever buy this film it is i you know uh i don't need my vhs or my dvd anymore this is the 
very last time. Yeah. Was, so I can't wait for it to come in the mail. I'm going to just pour over the, the extras and, and look at the, uh, uh, just look at everything. And yeah. Mm. Great. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm, I'm also very tempted in ordering this one for me. Mm. They have, um, what well, the next thing that's coming is Martin, which I'm really okay. excited for because I okay. have that on, I have that on DVD, but it's out of print. You cannot get Martin for less than 150 US dollars now. It's impossible. Really? Yeah. Really? It's very, because, okay. because Richard Rubenstein, who owns all the rights to all those Romero films, um, he has deals in Europe, but he does not have deals in America. He keeps holding out. The, the fees are insane and the licensing and yada, yada, yada. And uh, Martin, which I think is right up there with Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead. I think it's in a way like Night of the Living Dead will always be the best Romero film or Dawn of the Dead might be the best Romero film. But freaking uh, something about Martin, just so unique and special, you know? Mm. Yeah, Um, I like it too. I I have it on VHS and I have it on DVD. I'm not even sure if it came out on Blu-ray here in Europe. Mm. You guys have so many cool boutique labels um out out there we we have a couple but you guys got all the the goods um there's one yeah, but... from germany um i forget his name one second oh nice mm-hmm this is um you can't get this in the US. And mm-hmm. it's oh Wicked Vision. Do you know Wicked Vision? Wicked Vision. Yeah. Wait, I gotta show I gotta show you something. This guy is awesome. This you mean you guy. mean you mean Wicked Vision like these ones? Oh <laughs> yes. This is my this is my collection, by the way. Dude, oh my god, Richie. <laughs> what have you thought? I'm a horror. Dude. I'm a horror nerd. I collect these shit since I'm 12 or so. Dude, it's awesome. I gotta tell you, Wicked Vision. If you're in Europe, America, wherever you are, this guy, whoever this guy is, he puts out. He puts such tender, loving care into these releases. I was so. Oh, pleased. now you have computer voice. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Let me know. Is it back? Are you back? Yeah. Back. Oh, okay. Yes. This guy, this guy puts out such good releases. Like there's so there's so much tender loving care into um the packaging mm. and stuff. Friggin' Necronomicon, you can't get this in America. It's impossible. But I should I tell you something? I, I did exactly the opposite. I ordered a lot of stuff from the US and from the UK because it was so much cheaper than the European than the German or Austrian releases. Really? Yes. Because, I mean, I love Wicked Vision, and I have a lot of those media books, but they are very pricey from the beginning on, and then they are selling out, and then they get super expensive. And sometimes they have, like, the same bonus material, like, like, for example, the Error video or the the Scream or Shout uh, Factory. Arrow is my favorite, dude. Arrow Arrow is, like, the, the best. For example, when 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 Maniac came out, the media book in in Germany was super pricey from the beginning, as well, well uh, I would say like fifty euros or, or more for the mm-hmm. for the media book. 
and I ordered the Blue Underground uh, Blu-ray yeah. from the US for like less than half the price, and it was the same, all the same bonus material on it. So I did that quite often. I have a lot of. So I did what what you did. I bought me a region-free Blu-ray player, and I ordered a lot of films in the UK and in the in the US because they were so much cheaper than the stuff here. I mean, why like why deal? Why deal with the the nonsense of being restricted by regions when you know all you need to do is just spend the extra you know whatever hundred hundred fifty bucks or however however much, and mm -hmm. just not deal with this nonsense. All right, so what I'm going to do is hold on. I wanted to show you some of this stuff. Wait, let me see. There I am. All right, now I can, now I can take you with me. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. All right, now I'm going to take you on my journey. I think you'll appreciate this. These are my monster cereal boxes. <laughs> can you cool. see them? I, I yeah. have them stuff. I stuff. I stuff my my uh, cereal, but. Yeah, these are my so my my collection is not as extensive as yours, but um, I have a couple of things that uh, I'm really the the things that I'm really proud of are one, I have the Reanimator with the comic book. That's what I love mm -hmm. about about the um, the Arrow releases. They give you these these comics. This is a prequel. This is a prequel to Reanimator. Awesome. And it shows you what happened in between um, the uh, or before the beginnings of Reanimator. And the other thing, the other one that's really great, uh, also from Brian Usna, ah, making a mess of everything. Um, here it is. Society. Mm -hmm. Society cool. box. And what I didn't realize is that there's a, there's a sequel to Society. It's a story. I had no idea there was a sequel to Society. It's a comic book. Oh, really? Mother yeah, dude. Look at that. That's the sequel to Society. Awesome. I okay, I never heard about that. Yeah, dude. I was. You know, it's funny. I emailed the publisher of the comic book and said, "I, I know your comic is out of print. I'll, I want to buy it from you. Well, how can mm -hmm. I get it?" And they said, "Hang on." Brian Yuzna is releasing the um, he's going to be re-releasing society. He's putting the com they're putting the comic book in the box set. I said, get the fuck out of cool. here. He's like, yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, I bought it up two seconds. Cool. And the last thing I want to show you, I don't know if you had this growing up. So we had, we had the, the bleeders. Ours came with, it's like, ah, dude. cool. Uh, cool. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Still, that's from my local video store from the horror section. Mm. Remember this one? Black Roses. Yeah, cool. I have this one as a that one I bought also as a Blu-ray. I have to I have the same tape. I have it as a VHS. But yeah. I also have it on Oh yeah, going to the horror section. Oh yeah, you got the good one. <laughs> you know what I want to get? That I ha I want to get the Necromantic. I want to get all the films of, of that dude, but I want to get Necromantic one and two in in oh, one yeah. of the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I can I... show, you, show you something. Yeah, what you can got? You, you have you have the full box set? No, I have a signature from him. Oh, oh cool. Wait, there we go. Wow. 
I'm a huge Jörg Butgereit fan. I have like, yeah, of course I have. I have the films. I have the, the on DVD and on Blu-ray. My favorite so, is Shram. Shram I've is never my seen favorite. It, dude. I've never seen That's that one. Favorite. I've never seen the Death King. Der, uh, what is it? Uh, the Death King. The Todas yeah. King. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the Todas oh. King. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. it's awesome. Um, yeah, I, dude, I love that guy. I love, so we had, they, they screened Necromantic. Yeah, there it is. They screened it at, um, at the Alamo Draft House. I got to see an HD remaster version on the big screen and it was unreal. It was so, it looks, I'd never seen it so clearly. Like it didn't look dirty or messed up at all. You know, it was just, uh, you know, there was like, there was two uh, there was two persons I ever wrote a letter to, a fan letter. One was Alice really? Cooper se several times, and yeah. one was ne Necromantic, uh, the director, Jörg Butgreit. That was my second I wrote a fan letter when I was really? like 16 or 17. Because I, when I started like really, really collecting and really falling into horror um, from like the, the I, I, I came across to the underground splatter films, like the German underground splatter films. And there was a lot like right. violent shit and, and Black right. Past and the Burning Moon and right. all that shit. And then I got my hands on Necromantic and I was blown away because this was completely different. This was art kind of, this was really good stuff. So I was so fan I was so fascinated by the film that I wrote a letter because I saw uh, a German punk rock band called The Ärzte. The drummer was wearing a T-shirt from Necromantic. And I got like, hooked. I want to have that T-shirt. So I wrote a wow. fan letter to Jörg Butgeret. If, he, if I can buy that T-shirt from somewhere, because I know it was out of print since the late 80s or something. And I really got, he sent me a T-shirt and a signed card. And he didn't charge any money. He just said, I should, if I want to pay, I should just pay how much I think it's worth it. It's like, wow. I was really blown away by that. He, he's um, he's a very interesting character. I've had a few Facebook uh, uh, exchanges with him a little bit. And um, he, I, you know, I wish he made more films. Did you see German angst? Yes, I did. Yeah. He did that. The last segment. I wish he made more films. I wish son of necromantic wasn't a comic book. I wish that he got to, you know, finish, finish the, um, the, the trilogy as it were. Yeah. Now, yeah, um, I, I mean, he just released the film, um, called Schwankium. Oh, is that with the pig on the cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta check that out. I want to uh, check that out too. Yeah, yeah. I wish also he, but on the other hand, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, those four films he made, they are perfect, kind of. And what was this? What was the sentence that he said before with the Disney Channel? They belong to its its time. Its time. Yeah, they of. are. Oh, I know. Yes. I okay. I see what you're saying. You're saying that they are a product of the time. They are the, exactly. They are, and I'm are, not sure if we can. I think he he, he will. He, yeah, and he will. He's not getting as much appreciated as he should be, and he's not getting the budget that he he probably would need to get a film done the way how he wants to have it done. Right. So, Right. I'm not sure. He's, maybe it's maybe it's better if, if it, it is like this. And he's he's doing some all he's doing all um theater. Now. Is that what he does? He does theater. Yeah, he's doing he's doing theater. Really cool stuff. Unfortunately, only in one city in Germany, so I never made it there because it's always for a very short time. But he made a mm -hmm. theater play of Ed Gein, Ed Gein superstar. Real? He made a oh, really yeah Ed Gein superstar. Awesome. 
He also did an, an audio uh, an, an audio play for That's for radio. Concept the audio plays. They, there's yeah. a, I I have to send you. I'm going to send you an email with a bunch of things when we get off. We're going to wrap it up in, in a few. I'm going to send you an email with a bunch of recommendations and things based on some of the stuff that you said to me here in this time that we've spent together. Um, Cause I think you would just like it. Um, I wanted to say that, Oh, first of all, there's some metal band. I don't know what, I don't, some metal band, I think from Europe, they did the theme of necromantic. Mm-hmm. They read the theme and it's beautiful, which is probably yeah. my favorite part of necromantic is the piano that- thing. Yeah, it's just the it, there's something. It's not just the piano, but also the doom, doom, yeah, doom, whatever. Yeah. The whole there's something about that with the 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 subject material because it's yeah. like you know, necromantic gets labeled as a horror film, but it's not really a horror film. Nah, it's, it's so much more than that. It's like this, you know, you can only put it in a horror section, but it's not. I mean, it deals with these. It deals with. I mean, it deals with it deals with love and death, and it's just a very yeah. uh, and the sequel too. The sequel is uh, also interesting, especially you know the last part of the movie, the last line of the movie. You're just like, oh my god, I have to mm. see. The- <laughs> I have to know. Do you have the comic book? Have you read the comic? Some yes, necro- of course. Yes, yeah, of course I, 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 I want to get a copy of that. I got to track that down. Um, no, it's a complete story too, right? Like it, it tells the. <clears throat> wow yeah wow. i also have like because as i said i was a huge collector and i, I was really a, i'm still a big fan of your good girl so i also have those it was very limited amount of, of vhs tapes um with the making of stuff and there was a um, kind of documentary about his career it's called corpse fucking art yes okay that's in one of the box sets i think okay I there's two. So what's cool about a guy like that, and what I think is like my dream as a filmmaker, is like it's this idea of like you you do he did he made a body of work and the body of work is done in that sense of what you're saying, but now what happens is he just he gets it licensed out. People license out his his films and they put put them out in their territory. And it's so, I mean, what a cool fun dream! Like what a fun thing to do. And so he has he has the there's an American version that came out. There's the Arrow version that came out in in uh, England. That's I think that's mm-hmm. the one that I get. And I think that has mm-hmm. corpse fucking art on it. And okay. um, yeah, he's he's I've not seen the other two films. I've only seen Necromantic and Necromantic 2. I've never seen uh, Shram and uh, what, what was the last? Oh, uh, I just, so just in the way that you have problems with English. I- <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> the tallest king, death king. Yes, yes. Um, which yeah. I need to check out both of these movies. Which you are know that, that, that he that he he kind of he he was in the punk rock scene in the eighties as well. Really? Yeah. The put yeah, was, he was in a band. No, he didn't play in a band, but he was like surrounded by musicians and stuff. That was uh, he was just like uh, there was a punk rock club, or it still is the SO Saxon Classic in Berlin. He made a documentary about this when they had to shut it down or something in the late eighties. What what's the what's the club called again? SO thirty six. Oh, I bit. That's where Blitzkid played. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we played there also several times, and he made a documentary about it. Uh, so war das SO Saxon Classic. Huh. Like in the in the eighties, it was still his his underground filmmaking times. 
And okay. yeah, you see pictures with him wearing a Misfits t-shirt and stuff like this. So really, he's a really cool guy. Yeah, he's kind of like in a weird way. All right, maybe this is a stupid comparison. Maybe it's not. In a way, it's almost like he's like a when you said an underground filmmaker. Maybe we thought of John Waters. He's like the mm. German version of John Waters in that kind of way. If you think about yeah. John Waters' early films, Pink Flamingos, Desperate Living, um, friggin' uh, uh, Female Trouble, and uh, what was the last one? Uh, Multiple Maniacs. Those are all mm. underground, you know, punk rock sort of films. And he is, again, I'm not even going to try to say his name. I've only ever read it. So I can't. Jörg Putgeret. Remember, you're remember you speak multiple languages. I speak English. That's it, man. <laughs> you got me covered, man. Um, nah, freaking. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I wish that I want that soundtrack. I want the Necromantic soundtrack. I, wish I have it. I have it on CD and on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, my. So I made one film in my life. By the way, I just want to make you jealous. I have a signed cooking book from Vincent Price. Oh yes, I. So I knew this that Vincent Price. I knew that Vincent Price was an avid uh, uh, cooker. That's like a yeah. chef. And yeah. uh, yes, I heard he had a book, but I didn't know yeah, that he... He, he released uh, a cooking book uh, together with his wife. And I, yeah. got a signed, I got a signed copy. Yay. Uh, when I was touring with Blitzkid in the States, we stayed with James and Liz Gruesome, two amazing, wonderful people who I'm also still in contact with to this day. And they have a Vincent Price death mask. So wow. it's actually Vincent Price's face in their cupboard. And I'm like, wow. what's that? And they're like, that's Vincent Price's death mask. And I'm like, you have wow. the likeness, like his actual. I'm sorry. That yeah. was totally one up. On it. <laughs> 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 hey, cool. I don't own it. So. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just first to, to go back to the necromantic thing, I did make a, I made a film, one film I've made, like feature. I made a film. It's called Romeo's Distress. It's after Mm -hmm. the Christian Death song, but it very much is heavily influenced by Necromantic. That was my primary influence when I was making that film. One of them. Mm. One of my influences. It's like Romeo and Juliet with Necromantic and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think it's a very... Uh, I think that stuff is very uh, interesting. It's very taboo and it's very interesting. And it's something that you don't see in enough films. They don't talk. It's not something that's really explored. Um, Mm. And that's why that's part of also what makes Necromantic so unique in Mm. that it's one of the few films that does. So I don't know. Yeah. And also like it was different times. I mean, I miss those days when, uh, collecting horror films or being in the, in the horror film genre kind of fandom um, that it was kind of, it was punk rock. It was, it was a little bit forbidden. Like you put the second part of Necromantic 2, Necromantic 2. Um, it was like banned and they Cops. took the copies Cops. out of the cinema. Cops came yeah. and took them. And yeah. there was an, another German, another German filmmaker. His name is uh, Olaf Ickenbach. He also got banned for his second film. And then it was like, if he's ever doing a, a movie again, that will be against the law because of brutality or violence, he will go to jail. So the whole horror community, like uh, they the just supported and collected money for supporting his next film project. So he can continue. And, and wow. it was like crazy. And then you had like 
there, you had magazines where you had, um, there's a lot of films in Germany uh, and the, the, the releases that we in Austria here uh, could watch were the releases from Germany. So in Germany, they had a really strict law when it came to violence and, and brutality. Exactly. And they cut out scenes. So right. you get like a copy and there was like a couple of minutes missing. Like all the violent stuff was cut out very, like really badly. Just like sometimes oh. you don't even get the whole thing then what, what was going on there because it was just a cut and then black and then the movie continued. So the, you, you had magazines that has the so-called Schnittberichte, which means the, um, a report of the, the cuts that was made. So you could read. Okay, and now the head explodes at three minutes and 25 seconds or something like this head wow. exploding scene. So then you could like get the film from Holland or England in an uncut version. And then you had the magazine. Oh, yeah, it's, it's completely I have everything. So that was like my days when I started collecting. So it was really like you bought a film from someone. There was no Internet. You bought one from a, a catalog that you got. With, right. a, with a horror magazine and then you waited for half a year and you paid like 150 euros for a copy of Dawn of the Dead and you waited half a year to get it and then it was like I have it now and I was the only one in the in like the next 150 kilometers who had that tape you know that was the time now it's kind of boring now you just put on the internet you can watch everything right but when I started it was really like it was a subculture and it was a it was a, a community that was really like, I don't know, somehow you know, under the radar of society. Like we, there was a code where people could understand each other when you had like those magazines and the t-shirt and stuff. And you knew, okay, this is a cool guy and I can talk to him and Crimson ask Ghost, him man. for advice. Exactly. It was a, yeah. really commu a real community. Yeah. And and it also, it, when, when you have been waiting for months and months for a copy of a film, it doesn't matter how bad it was. You had to love it because you spent so much money on this one. Now it, it has right. to be good, even if it was terrible, but you could never admit it because now you've been waiting four months for this film, like Manny to Chodamato or something like this. It has to be good. <laughs> well, it's going, but what you're saying, it has to be good, but it's what you really mean to say, I think is that it's going to be good because of all yeah. the factors that you just said. It's going to be good. And exactly. also, the other thought I had when you were saying all that is, man, it makes you appreciate, like think about how much more you appreciated the, those VHS tapes because of yeah. all the, the trouble that went, the money spent, the time waited, and then that tape arrives and it's like a precious elixir and you're going to enjoy exactly. every frame. And it was also the thrill if it's going to get caught at the border. Because if they open it and it's a tape that is not allowed to, to have, like there is a list of forbidden films, right. then they would not, then they would, they would keep it. You will not get it. You, then your money is gone and you will not get a tape. Did that so it was always like, uh, no, thank God not. Wow. But I know people that, especially in Germany, they, they in, in those horror film magazines that I, that I used to read, we had like, it was never as big as Fangoria or something like this, but you had like some horror film magazines like the Gory News or the Art of Horror and Splatting Image. And there was always the recommendations to the, to the fans, keep your collection, not in your home. If, if the police is coming and checking the collection, they will take 
all the forbidden stuff and probably you have to pay some penalty for that too so I mean, the the real the real collectors had their own storage space somewhere where they had their VHS tapes so the police will not find them you know what's so crazy about like that wow first of all thank you for sharing that because that's just like so, it's so cool i you know this is something that's so foreign to me because we just never had that problem in in the united yeah. states on that level you know, I'd always heard that German, yeah, the German version, whenever you're reading on IMDb and it's talking about like the different versions and it talks about how in Germany, it's just like, you know, everything is so, oh, oh, it's like you look at the total running time and it's like everywhere else, hundred minutes, hundred minutes, hundred minutes, Germany, 82 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They just cut everything out of it, man. Um, yeah. That, that's so interesting. And then you know what? It makes me wonder. So these serious collections, it's like, it's like, I would imagine too, that you're like even dubbing tapes, like that tape that comes, that's your master. I better dub that mother effer. It's going to go in the storage. And then this is the tape I'm going to watch. And if anything happens to it, because you know, what's interesting too, that predicates what you're saying. Would this be the case if in, in today's age with the internet, no, this sort of subculture pops up because of VHS. Would, yeah. Here's a question for you, Richie. Here's a question for you. Would you have would you have the same sort of subculture? Would you have the same sort of situation if it was a, a DVD as opposed to a VHS? Does VHS make it? Maybe not, actually. Maybe, I guess it has to go through the exact same avenues. You have to ship the physical media yeah. somewhere. I have to say, I really appreciate when DVD came out because uh, now you had the original language as well. Right, because you because here everything is dubbed sometimes really badly, especially in the eighties. They did not nowadays. They made it really good, mm -hmm. and but in the eighties, some of the films they really had like a terrible German dubbing over it. So it's like ah, so some of the of, of the films they look way more trashy and they sound way more trashy than they actually are just because of the bad synchronization, what they made in Germany. So, like, yeah. and DVDs, when they came out, then you had, like, you could switch. You can have the original the original language mm -hmm. or the dubbed version. So that was mm -hmm. a big change. Mm -hmm. um, for me, we got, so you, you were talking about how you own, I forgot what it was. Oh, you own Dawn of the Dead. You own something on every format. For me, it was Mad Max. I had Mad Max mm -hmm. on VHS. I bought it again on uh, DVD. I had it on, I, I own it on Blu-ray three different ways. But for me, my comfort food is the US, the American dub of the Australian accents in Mad Max. There's something about the, the dubbed American, the, they talk like this. I just, I don't know uh, what it is. Man. Okay. I didn't and know I they, just, they did it. They, they, they dubbed it in, in America. So here's the interesting thing. Um, when they were preparing Mad Max for international release, which, as you know, anybody who's not familiar, Mad Max made George Miller never had to work again after he made just Mad Max. He's had a long film career. He owned Mad Max. He made a hundred million dollars off of a three hundred thousand dollar budget with Mad wow. Max. And when they were preparing it, when Warner Brothers was shipping it all over the place they were afraid that the American market would make fun of the Australian accents. So what <laughs> they did was they actually dubbed 
English over English simply because of the accent, which frustrated and made so many people mad. But for me, growing up, you know, Mad Max, I love Star Wars, but Mad Max was also my Star Wars. Like, I that's why I wear my leather jacket is because of Mad Max, not the Ramones. And so, you know, I, my my exposure was, you know, that that accent that that's like this, you know, that 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 dubbed that, you know, probably some cigar chumping guy who's sitting in a recording studio is like, all right, what's the script? All right, let's go. <laughs> you know, just awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, dude. You know, you have here like um, because the the Germans and the Austrians are just so used to the dubbed versions that if they produce a film in their own country, like a German comedy film or action film, they dub it just because for the sound. Really? Yeah, because we're so used to have like a studio uh, dubbing that yeah. was like a proper production in a studio yeah. and not the, the actual sound from the set, like the background right. noise and everything. So they dub also their own productions to make it sound like American films. That's so weird. You know what's interesting? Yeah. To say that. Do you know who else does that too, kind of, or what they do uh, in Italy? Italy, okay. they don't. They don't, um, you know, I forgot where I, who was talking about. It was somebody who was saying that, you know, they arrived on set at an, on an Italian set and everybody's talking while they're doing their dialogue. They're like, what the, the and, you know, the whole thing was, oh, we're just, this whole soundtrack is going to be redone in post-production. Okay. Yeah. They don't even, they don't <laughs> even bother. Which, and, you know, <laughs> what was also hilarious, because um, some of the, of the, the actors are doing the voiceovers, the voices for like, famous actors they are also kind of famous for just for their voice here now oh really so for the, the the voice the german voice of bruce willis is also doing commercials for a lot of stuff here for example and then some of the of those actors they do um the they they do the voices for the same actors like the, the person who's doing the voice for bruce willis is the same guy who's doing the voice for mel gibson and then wow and the, that's confusing and then and the same guy yeah but the problem starts when you have the same actors in the film and then you have, Oh, what are we going to do now? And it was like uh, the film, it's not a good film, but it was a uh, um, escape plan with, with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They oh, have the same. So much, I love that move. That was so much fun. It's fun. <laughs> they, and they had the problem that they have the same, same, uh, I think it was escape plan. right? I, I think yeah, there was those, person, those right? two guys. I think it was the same the same person who's doing the voice for Sylvester Stallone is the same person who's doing for uh, for Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like okay, and when they the, it also happened in Die Hard three, I think they changed oh the actor, the voice, so the yeah. the film was not very appreciated over here because of he, Bruce. It's not Bruce Willis' voice; someone right. else is speaking. So it's not the same wow. guy. It's not the same guy anymore. So it's really wow. fucked up. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, you know, I think yeah, escape plan is where it's they're both escaping from uh they're both escaping from um uh, a maximum lockup facility or whatever and you know, I don't know. I'm always I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for Stallone, I'm a sucker for Schwarzenegger. Uh, mm. and I'm most of all I'm a sucker for Nicolas Cage who everybody laughs at but I think is a really really good actor even in all the crap that he does. Yeah. And um, 
I just, man, I love, I love all those movies, man. I just dig them. All those, er, those nineties action films, you know, mm-hmm. great. Just can't go wrong with them, you know? Um, so yeah, but, uh, listen, cool. I think we're going to wrap it up. I'm getting the high sign from the wife over here. Dude, <laughs> this was such a treat. This was so fun for me. Thank you for coordinating. Thank you. And doing this. Truly. Thank truly. you for having me. Uh, and um, is there anything so so uh, blood sucking zombies from outer space recording a new album yeah. that yeah. is uh, w- but there's you don't have you don't have any you haven't even thought about release plans yet. No, we have a, we have a really we have a, a very weird release plan because we we released the album already as a, a subscription album. We're going to div- we have divided the album on six, seven inches and every two months we release a seven inch with two songs and then you get a box set. With the first seven inch, I can show you. Wait a second, dude. That is so creative and fun and cool. What a great idea! I'm back. Okay. So this is it. This is the album, and it's a box set, wow. and it contains. Uh, you get it like you get the box set with the first seven inch, mm-hmm. like this, and then wow. Every every two months, uh, you get another seven inch uh-huh. mailed directly to you, and you also have the download stuff included and a lot of bonus material. And the whole album is gonna be finished then next year in summer when all those six seven inches are out, and then we're gonna release it as a normal album. And we did that because I'm a huge fan of those collector's editions. There's like from Hammer Horror, so I know that from films. Then you buy the first film, then you have the collector's box, and then you need to buy all the other films to fill it up. And the other thing was now with Corona and everything, we don't have an income with playing live. So this is also kind of financed the whole production because we sold the whole box set with all the seven inches. And now we are recording it piece by piece. So we can finance the whole thing. That what a fa- what a fascinating business model, especially at a not now. Now, OK, before we go, I have like three questions because you just spun this on me at the very end of the show i should i'm sorry i mean this is so cool so firstly okay did covid or you i did did covid initiate this idea or was this something that you had always wanted to do before no it was it was totally because of corona wow because we we have planned to release a seven inch for our halloween show yeah, and then when the whole show got canceled, and we already had like two days of recording studio booked, mm-hmm. so what if we continue and just make an album? And then was the first thing, but we can't afford that. We can't afford so many studio days now. We have no income and stuff. So I said, okay, if we're gonna just do a single, and then we we collect money, do the second single and stuff like this. So the whole idea just came out of the whole Corona crisis. Isn't it interesting how? necessity truly is the mother of invention and how totally situation and you want to know what's interesting too is is this a is this a a new sustainable way of putting out music if you think about it you're you you, you're getting this advance of money and you're not doing it through a label right you're just doing it by yourself our own label yes okay so you have your own label you're getting uh you're 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 getting this advance essentially from the people that are that are pre-ordering it um, you're putting it out yourself. You have continuous music coming out throughout the year. It's fun. It's a great way to engage with the with the audience. 
Um, it's something to look forward to. And when it's all done, you still need to buy the whole album because you want it all together. So it's these two levels of like, how much do I want this? Do I want this like right now? Or, you know, I can wait, but I, I love this, yeah. but I wait and I'll wait till the end. And so it's like a yeah. second bite of the apple. That's fascinating. Yeah. You know, I, we was a little bit scared of it because it was still, we had to, to produce the boxes in the first singles in advance already. And we didn't know how people will react on this. And then it, it was sold out within 24 hours. So within a day, it was completely sold out. It was like, Mazel fuck. Tab. Thank God. So now we're kind of like, we're happy and we can continue with the recording and everything. It's awesome. I'm really, I'm again, I'm incredibly, hearing, hearing a, a success story for a creative artist during one of the hardest trials and tribulations for artists, that makes me very happy to hear that that type of ingenuity is possible um, uh, during during this this wackadoo time. And you know what? I honestly am so blown away that I actually forgot what my other question was. So I'm not going <laughs> to and awe and try to remember it. I'm just going to – we'll just leave it at that. So, guys, wait for the full album to come out. It will come out eventually. You can get the, the whole kit and caboodle uh, if you missed out on this exclusive. So wait a minute. So you're telling me – you're like, hey, wait a minute. They used to do this thing back in the day with the box set. What if we do that with our things? We'll do the exact same exactly. thing. Yeah. And 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 the guy, everybody's like, yeah, that's. Did you? So what do you do? Do you like? Do you like? Um, do you just like you? You bust out a paper and you just sort of like you do the math and you go, okay, well we do this. We carry the three. But nah. we you decide. No, just, we're gonna do it. No, I'm not the I'm not the money guy in the band. I'm really bad in doing that. I'm the I'm the one with the ideas and I wanna I would like to have this. And then I'm always asking uh, our Reverend Bloodbath, can we afford that? And then he's gonna do the math, and he's telling me. <laughs> No, Richie, you can't put like, I don't know, to every single you can't put, because we also want to, we also release goodies with every single, like special right. goodies. That, yeah. And then we had to cut down the the budget for this, for example, because my yeah, ideas was way too, too, too expensive. You're kicking ass, dude. You're, you're kicking ass in the COVID times. All hail. That's great. Richie, thank you so much. This has been another Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Dude. Just great. Absolutely great. Uh, we'll see you next time. See you. Cool.